0: Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kim. How's it going? It's going well. How about about yourself? Well,
1: it's our normal Friday 4 o'clock recording spot, but it's not a normal Friday at 4 o'clock because it was a snow day.
0: I know, and
1: it's still out there. It's beautiful. I just came back from a walk. I love a snow day. It's something about snow just turns me. I'm always kind of a kindergartner, but like more than ever on a snow day.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: exciting. It's magical. We're here with an episode that I'm so excited about because it's a book
0: episode. Finally.
1: (laughs) yes, We're going to be talking about some books that we are really enjoying that have kind of made us think that we want to share with you. But before we jump in, we could start things off on a, on a bright note. Kim, what's bringing you joy today?
0: Well, I am sitting at my desk and I'm looking out and we already talked about the snow, but it's just, I mean, it's gorgeous to look out there. So that's been nice, sitting here with my decaf mocha, and <laughs> even though I'm having to just do some schoolwork, oh, I also submitted some assignments, so that gave me joy. <laughs> yes, two things to
1: celebrate. How about yourself?
0: I have been so into
1: plants recently. It is, I've never been a plant person, and then I, I think we got a live Christmas tree this year, and I think that kind of like pushed me around a corner, and now- I just, I'm loving it. And so all of these friends have kind of delivered plant babies to me and I'm having so much fun potting them and, or if they're in water, kind of watching their roots grow and learning all about them. Who knew that I really liked plants?
0: Well, good for you. (laughs)
1: They're bringing me lots of joy. They look lovely in the house. And Bieber's is, that is our other cat. Brian is the one that you hear about a lot. Uh, Bieber's is the second one. She just thinks it's a salad bar. She wants to eat all of it. All right. Yeah. She snacks on everything. So (laughs) Lucky, lucky Beavers. Before we dive into our books, you might notice that our books have a little bit of a theme today. And that's partially just because of who Kim and I are and the way that we read. But also it's February and February is Black History Month. And as a kid, this was not something that was celebrated or observed or taught about in my school or my community. And I wish that it had been, but I have discovered very late as a teacher, what an incredible opportunity this can be for learning and for growing. And so that inspired my book choice today. I don't know about you, Kim, but thinking about Black History Month and all of the ways that adults or kids or whoever we are, that we can learn about our country's history and about people that we don't always get to hear about. It's a a great place,
0: great thing to celebrate. Yeah, for sure. It might have been related to that, or it might have been a coincidence. I don't actually remember the book I'm going to talk about is a book club for Charlotte's Women in Tech uh, coming up. But I'm also taking the education and diversity class this semester. And I got to tell you, the things that I was not taught, I did not learn, I don't know that I don't know, it is so vast and often frustrating. So, you know, I feel like, sometimes black history month like why do we just have one month yeah (laughs) you know but on the other hand you know it is something we definitely need to lift up and not just be focusing on this month but all months but at least you know there's this month to really raise it up in everybody's profile
1: and I can say that you and I, as teachers, as readers, as people, I feel pretty confident saying that this is work that we engage in year round, but it, there's just something about February and that energy and people are so open to sharing. And there's so much content out there that paying extra attention and amplifying voices that you might not normally hear, but that really speak up during this month.
0: It's a really valuable opportunity. It is. It is. But can I also share a cautionary tale? Yes, please do. So I just found out a couple of days ago, YouTube is highlighting this really awesome channel called Black Creativity and STEM, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's awesome. They're sharing it. Uh, I went and watched all the videos and I got, you know, to subscribe to a bunch of new awesome, inspiring women. But then it also brought out the trolls. So, you know, YouTube knows it has a problem with trolls on their platform and, you know, somehow they didn't figure out how to protect this space to make it a safe space. And that is just so incredibly frustrating. You know, there was just a lot of hate speech, hate comments left, you know, the thumbs up and thumbs down. uh, There was just, you know, way more thumbs down than, you know, it just was ridiculous. So I think that's, you know, a side that we need to keep recognizing is happening out there.
1: It can be really easy depending on where you live and where you work and what your echo chamber is like to pretend or to be convinced that racism is over and that we live in a post-racial society. At least it can until you have a moment where you wake up. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. But sometimes I try to push myself out of my echo chamber and look at resources or pages or talk to people that I would not normally to remind myself that just because I see it this way doesn't mean that that's reality. And to remind myself that we are all in different places in this process and that racism is very much still alive and still active and the work absolutely still needs to be done and to be engaged, engaged in, engaged with, we still need to learn and grow. And it sounds like that horrifying experience on YouTube is a great reminder that we're not there.
0: Yep. So let's get to the book, shall we?
1: All right. Oh, can I share some resources first? Oh, yes. Sorry. If you are looking to learn a little bit more about Black history, I am not an expert. I am in no way qualified to teach you, but I can give you some names of people who are doing an incredible job and who have taught me so much. For adults that are looking to learn, there is a woman named Rachel Cargill who is brilliant and so generous with her knowledge. I found her on Instagram and we'll link her Instagram page. That led me to her Patreon account. I'm a paid subscriber and get all of this incredible content. She has a program called The Great Unlearn, which as you can guess is about unlearning the flawed and incorrect and incomplete history that I was fed as a kid and learning the true history of America and of slavery and of why we are where we are. And she is just fantastic. So I highly, highly suggest that. If you're interested in Black History Month content, there are two social media profiles that I love. One is just Black History with Daily Facts and You can learn about different people and historical events. There's also Black History for Kids. That's fantastic. These accounts are also active and teaching all year long. Black History Month, as you mentioned, Kim, it should not just be February. (laughs) Don't try to fit everything in in that month. It's all year round. But if you are looking for things specifically to teach kids, those are great accounts to check out. The Conscious Kid is teaching me to be a better human being and to communicate with children better every day. the time and they are fantastic we'll link that there if you're an educator looking to bring more anti-racist teaching if you're looking to tackle tough subjects in your classroom if you're like me and you were not taught how to talk to kids about racism and about prejudice and about bias and identity learning for justice which was previously teaching tolerance is an incredible resource with lesson plans and conversation points and book lists so we'll link that there If you're looking for more kind of bite-sized things to take in from day-to-day, small suggestions, little bits of information on Instagram, The Evolved Teacher is a wonderful account that's also being very generous with Black History Month knowledge. That's a lot I just threw at you, but these are really wonderful resources that have helped me a lot, and we will link all of those on our resource page. So if you want to dive in, they're there for
0: you. So tell us about your book, Kim. Oh, okay, the book that we're reading for our book club is Subtle Acts of Exclusion, How to Understand, Identify, and Stop Microaggressions by mm-hmm. Tiffany Janet and Michael Barron. So I have learned about microaggressions when I was doing my master's in education, and I was working on my thesis because microaggressions are these things that... You don't really know if, if you should be offended or not in a way, you know, they're not obvious. They're not outward, outwardly racist or sexist or whatever it is, is, but another blog post that I read at the same time was called this, my experiences in tech death by a thousand paper cuts mm. and sort of, it's how these things add up. Right.
1: Yeah. I just had a dictionary definition. Can I read it? Sure. A microaggression. It's a noun, obviously. It's a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group such as a racial or ethnic minority. And it also says indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. So that's like the shorter definition of it. So your, your image of death by a thousand paper cuts, <laughs> that's a really strong image because it's just little things, but it's little things over and over and little things that pile up Over time, and it can really be painful and damaging.
0: So the authors here they kind of want to even reframe microaggressions into subtle acts of exclusion because micro, you know, it kind of applies small, which they are in one way, but in another way, they're having an impact on the person that's receiving them, right? Whether or not there was intent, and then when when you're doing it, you're really setting up an exclusionary experience, you know, instead of, instead of creating a safe space, you've now basically shut down a conversation or, you know, next steps or things like that.
1: I appreciate you using the word exclusion instead. I think when we are attempting to look at our own behavior and find where microaggressions might be hiding, we can sometimes look back and be like, well, I never said anything that upset anyone and no one was ever hurt. No one ever cried, but exclusion is much subtler. And so if you look back and think, was there a moment where I made that person feel like they're not welcome? Uh, People who are experiencing microaggressions probably have learned to internalize a lot of it and not always express when they're hurting and looking for exclusion instead of outward pain sets you up to reflect on your behavior in a way that's different. And it might be helpful if people are looking for moments where they've accidentally caused a microaggression at work or at school.
0: Yep. And full disclosure, I have not completed the book yet, so I'm sure there's still a lot to learn. But it also reminded me of another thing that I found in my research. There was a research study comparing the effects of ambiguous versus unambiguous discrimination. And it found that it was more difficult for target targets of ambiguous discrimination, as well as others observing them, to realize that prejudicial treatment May have played a role in causing their negative outcomes. So basically, it's harder to tell, right? When it's ambiguous, it you can you do more self-directed self. You know, was it me that caused it? So it can affect mm-hmm. your self-esteem. It can cause you to self-stereotype. Uh, where unambiguous discrimination, you know, that's pretty obvious when it's happening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so you know, I kind of think I expected that that outright discrimination would be more impactful, but it turns out that as a person receiving it, you can say no, (laughs) you can basically, like you can't say no to what this person is doing, but you can say no to I'm not, no, that's not me, right? Where when it's more subtle, then you start questioning, well, was it me? Did I, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and internalizing it, which, you know, is pretty, can be pretty devastating.
1: And it's a lot easier for bystanders to laugh off a microaggression Say, don't be so sensitive. It was just a joke. Are you sure that's what they meant? Versus something that is larger, a, a, a macro. Right, question. a macro. Thing. I guess <laughs> it is, that was it a is, word. I, I don't think that's what they're called, but it's a lot harder to excuse a larger, more obvious act of aggression versus a microaggression. Can be, people can shrug it off and be like, eh, I think maybe you're
0: just being sensitive. Um, they shouldn't, but that does happen a lot. Yeah. So a final thing I want to share, and this is not really part of the book, but Jenny and I teach a designing games for learning course to undergrad students at UVA. And one of the things that I found for us to play is something called Microaggressions the Game. Ooh, It's just a way to have conversations about this because it can be Challenging, right? These are these are challenging topics to talk about, but Colleen Lewis has created this, uh, she sort of gamified these conversations and has these different cards. So I'm just going to read a couple of them. That, yes, please so do. what you do is you, so what would you say if your colleague says, Brenda just needs to learn to be more confident? And so everybody you know talks about that and what they'd respond. And then there's a, a sample thing that you could say, I would agree that I want my students to recognize how awesome they are. I also want to explain that when I hear that women need to be more confident, it sounds like women are broken and need to be fixed. I would ask them if we might change some of our culture and our classes so that women don't have to display confidence to be successful.
1: Ooh, or don't have to display confidence in a traditionally male accepted way. Like there (laughs) there is a way that I think men express confidence and maybe... Expect other people to do the same. That's good. What that's thought provoking.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll link we'll link that in the in our resources as well. And the final thought I want to leave you with is uh, a quote from the book because this keeps coming back to me over and over as I'm reading this, as I'm in my diversity education class. You know, ignorance is not bliss. So basically, while having our eyes open for these uh, subtle acts of exclusion might not be as good for our happiness as being blissfully unaware, but we need to think of that as an okay trade-off.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna let that one sit for a second. It is and that trade-off is about seeing the world as more than just yourself. Your happiness is a piece of it, but if your happiness is getting the way of creating a space where other people can feel safe and thrive, then
0: world's for everybody. Yep. So we are doing a book club on this with the Charlottesville Women Tech, February 24th. And then Dr. Tiffany Gianna is actually going to be at the Virginia Book Festival on March 15th. So both of those things are online; they're free. If you're wanting to join a conversation about this, I, you know, I think uh, these are great opportunities. I also just found out because I found a video of Dr. Gianna that to share. She's from Richmond, like so close. I had no idea. I know, me either. Ah, so people, the book club
1: is open. Anybody can join. Yep. Oh, that's fabulous. And I'm really looking forward to that Virginia Festival of the Book event with Tiffany Janet. It's going to, I think it's going to be great. I have the book, it is queued up. I have an audio book, and you've made me very excited to dive into it.
0: Cool. All right. So that was for the adults. You have something else. (laughs)
1: And this is a book that I have never used for a book club, but man, would I love to. When we were preparing for this episode, and Kim was telling me a little bit about the YouTube highlighting the Black Creativity and STEM playlist. And the follow-up for that, I just thought how important it is to reach people when they are kids, when their brains are still developing and they're still learning about the world and have these important conversations so that these kind of things don't happen with the next generation. And so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I am a librarian and have worked in children's literature and using children's literature to spark powerful conversations for just about a decade now. And I read a book last month that really stopped me in my tracks as something special. It's called Black Brother, Black Brother. It's by Jewel Parker Rhodes, who's the author of quite a few really powerful books for children, Towers Falling, Ghost Boys, Ninth Word. But Black Brother, Black Brother is her newest book. And it is difficult to describe. So I'm going to read you a little bit of the summary before I dive in. Sometimes 12-year-old Dante wishes he were invisible. As one of the few Black boys at Middlefield Prep, most of the students don't look like him. They don't like him either. Dubbing him Black Brother, Dante's teachers and classmates make it clear that they wish he were more like his lighter-skinned brother, Trey. When he's bullied and framed by the captain of the fencing team, Alan, he's suspended from school and arrested. Terrified, searching for a place where he belongs, Dante joins a local youth center and meets former Olympic fencer Arden Jones. With Arden's help, he begins training as a competitive fencer, setting his sights on taking down the fencing team captain no matter what. As Dante hones his fencing skills and grows closer to achieving his goal, he learns the fight for justice is far from over. Now Dante must confront his bullies, racism, and the corrupt systems of power that led to his arrest. Woo. And I know it sounds like a lot. And (laughs) when I have conversations with parents about really incredible middle grade literature like this, the first reaction is, I just want my kid to be innocent for a little bit longer. They're too young. I don't want them to think about it. And I want to make sure that I'm clear that this book also has plenty of joy and lightness and it's got power to it. And so when a child reads this book, they're not weighed down. They're not thinking that they you know, can't go to soccer practice until they fix our criminal justice system. (laughs) But it does, (laughs) because I think a lot of parents do worry about that, but kids just read it and they say, is that the way things work? I should really do something about that. And it just becomes a part of the fabric of their lives and it changes the way they think. And books are such powerful tools to spark these conversations, especially for parents and adults and teachers that aren't sure how to start and get kids talking. Jewel Parker Rhodes has done all of the hard work for you. (laughs) You know, you, you bring the book and these characters speak for themselves and their incredible family bonds and the adults in the book make all the mistakes. So you don't have to. I mean, books are incredible tools for bringing conversations to your dinner table or to your classroom and for doing the heavy lifting for you. So Black Brother, Black Brother is suggested for grades three through seven. And I would agree with that, although I think you can go older than that. And if you have a second grader that you're willing to talk to and that's particularly interested, like know your reader, know your kid. There's nothing in it that would make me think that that's not appropriate. There are a lot of big subjects in here that can be really amazing jumping off points. I wrote a blog post with other books that you can connect to Black Brother, Black Brother. So some of the themes, the book talks a lot about racism in schools and the way it goes unnoticed or sometimes the way it is even reinforced by the adults in power. And There are books that can connect with that. There's books that can connect with racism in sports. Black Brother, Black Brother talks about the school to prison pipeline, again, in a way that's very kid-friendly. Systemic racism in the American legal system, the realities of living and trying to navigate the world as a mixed race child. And it also dives a little bit into the idea of passing and historical rules like the one-drop rule and the paper bag rule and different ways that people have been oppressed and violence has been pressed upon them because of the color of their skin. And so in this blog post that we will link, I talk about other books that would pair beautifully with Black Brother, Black Brother to further conversation and I just love this book and I wish I could share it with people. I think it's so well done. Does that sound like a book that you would want to read? Yeah, for sure. Also, fencing is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm-hmm. There's like these action-packed sports scenes where they're describing these fencing. I don't even remember what the word, like about, a match, a, a battle. Um, <laughs> a duel. <it's, laughs> it is kind of a duel. It's this really great mix of emotional reflection, exciting sports, larger systemic issues. It's just a beautifully written and very well-balanced book that can lead to so many great things and open the doorway to a lot of other fantastic reading. And I hope that people will read it and share it, share it with young people and talk to them about it. Maybe we should do a Once Upon a Tech Book Club.
0: Ooh.
1: If you'd be interested in a Once Upon a Tech Book Club, uh, give us a shout. Let me know because they I really are, yeah. miss book clubs. I don't get to do book clubs in my job this year. <laughs> and uh, I miss it. They're they're great. You can't beat the conversation in a book club. So Black Brother, Black Brother by Jewel
0: Parker Rhodes. Awesome. Well, I think we have given folks a lot to think about, put some stuff on their reading list, whether it's the resources or the books or whatever. We'd love to hear from you if there are some resources that have touched you and you want to share with others, please let us know about them as well.
1: Yes, please let us know what we're missing. We want to learn. There are great resources out there that we that we want to know about. I'm really glad that we had an episode to talk about some books that have been inspiring us recently and our conversations about exploring racism and microaggressions and, and exclusion. Those are not going to stop in February. So but thanks for bringing that book, Kim. It sounds yeah, great. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into it.
0: And I think the good news is that, you know, this can seem very uh, like a lot, but the good news is, you know, there are things we can do. We don't need to feel like we're powerless to address issues, but, you know, especially in the microaggression aggression realm, these are not huge things that are happening, but they're piling up so we can help take things off that pile. Yeah. And start with a conversation, start by listening to a podcast, start
1: by sharing it, by talking to someone about what you read or heard and, you know, spread the word. These kind of things can happen. One person makes a change and it inspires another person to make a change and every little change counts. For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: Well, until next time.
1: Tech, love and happiness.